Check, one, two. Welcome to the 2019 Halloween Special. Coming to you live from a closet in a North Carolina mountain town with my dog. You can hear him breathing now. Shuggy, you might have to leave the closet. You're breathing very loudly. We're doing a show here. What you are about to experience is a Living With Ma Halloween special. This will be unlike any other Halloween special you may or may not have experienced in the past. I was going to do like how Halloween started and the history of Halloween and it was like a paragraph long and I couldn't even get through this, the first sentence. It was so boring. I figure Halloween just like started as like a Christian thing and then like threw in some pagan stuff and here we go, just like all of our other holidays. Okay, Shuggy's scratching. I really don't think that we can do the show together, Shug. It's not me, it's you. Okay, so today we're going to talk about a few scary movies, their meanings, interesting facts about these movies, and ending the show with some terrifying honorable mentions for Halloween. You know, just like general scary stuff. So, let's just jump right into it as we love to do. Start off with our first movie. Also, there will be spoilers in this. If you haven't seen these movies, I'm sorry. Fast forward, don't listen. I really don't know what to tell you. I just wanted to talk about some of my favorite scary movies and there will be spoilers. Are you guys ready to kick off the Halloween 2019 Living With Ma special? Okay, so let's start off with the movie Sorry To Bother You. Sorry to Bother You is a 2018 American science fiction dark comedy film written and directed by Boots Riley in his directorial debut. The film follows a young black telemarketer who adopts a white accent to succeed at his job. Swept into a corporate conspiracy, he must choose between profit and joining his activist friends to organize labor. The Old Faustian Bargain, aka Deal with the Devil, one of the main themes in the movie. So the main character, Lee Keith Stanfield, who's amazing, this black man, begins doing well at his telemarketing job whenever his coworker suggests he is a white voice. Uh, he's selling slave labor. He has this really cool artsy girlfriend and her name's Detroit. And she's really talented, she's woke, she's courageous, she's real, she's really, I think, the strongest character in the whole movie. Um, and she's part of a protest group called Left Eye. They live together in a garage in like their uncle's house or something. They're hurting financially. Uh, the pressure's on, and uh, so he lands his telemarketing job. Boom, the Faustian bargain is presented. You know, do you sell your soul, sell slave labor, and make all the riches and, you know, work up the ladder? I won't go, you know, total into depth in the whole movie. I don't want to give everything away. You know, he sells his soul, and selling slave labor, he became you know one of the top sellers he's now making you know big bucks he's out of debt he's living in this sweet place he's friends with like this jeff bezos elon musk character you know who's head of the 
worry-free slave labor thing and you know it's how it goes so the faustian bargain happens if you don't know what a faustian bargain is it's aka the deal with the devil it's a pact where a person trades something of supreme moral or spiritual importance such as values or his soul for some worldly or material benefit such as knowledge power or riches some think also talents one of the most famous stories of the faustian bargain is Robert Johnson, the guitar player who, you know, wrote the song, went down to the crossroads where he supposedly sold his soul to the devil, where his friends and people in his life said he couldn't play guitar for shit. And then he went down to the crossroads, sold his soul to the devil and became one of the best blues musicians around and gathered his riches, his fames and this and that. But what did he sacrifice? We don't know. A Faustian bargain is made with a power that the bargainer recognizes as evil or immoral which he did. The main character did see. He did know what he was doing was was immoral. His girlfriend asked him, well, what are you guys selling at the telemarketing company? He goes, oh, nothing. Or, you know, made up some lie. He knew. Faustian bargains by their nature are tragic or self-defeating for the person who makes them because what is surrendered is ultimately far more valuable than what is obtained, whether or not the bargainer appreciates that fact. So yeah, the main character turned his back on his morals, this and that, his cool artsy protests, girlfriend Detroit, his friends, his people. The ultimate betrayal to self, I thought, in the movie was when he was rapping at the white party, the all-white party, and they were saying, rap, rap, ugh, and he did. And that was just, that was one of the huge moments in the film. That was saying he had sold his soul. The company that he's selling the slave labor for is worry-free company. Three meals in a cot, living arrangements. It's almost like, you know, slave labor. It's almost like the privatized prison system. Makes me think of Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos trying to colonize space. Their vision of space is to make Earth the place to live and space the place to work. Sending workers into these living-type pod situations. Workers slash slaves slash... I don't know, criminals, who knows, in the privatized prison system, you know, and they'll be in space working like slave labor bees while all the rich live on Earth. I mean, <laughs> look it up. Change my mind. Anywhom, as my cousin Dina says. Yeah, also worry-free reminded me of the iPhone factories in Japan where they had to put in the suicide nets because people were just slave labor worker bees and they would just like drony like get up from their desks and jump out of the window to commit suicide so apple had to put in these freaking suicide nets reminds me of that except it'll be like on the moon <laughs> what else to say about this movie i loved it i mean there's so much to say about it i just you know it's a halloween special i don't want it to be five hours long we're talking about movies hope you enjoyed the movie i loved it I don't want to totally blow the end. It's just so great. I loved the movie. Five thumbs up. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite parts in the movie, though, was when Detroit, you know, the woke, cool, really, like, smart, artsy girlfriend made a uh, sculpture of, like, half man, half horse. And uh, the guy's like, oh, I really like how the artist was trying to show us how worry-free just works people like workhorses. And she said, actually, maybe the artist was being very literal and worry-free is turning people into horses. Okay. Oh, yes. Let's move on to the next movie. 
for Ha 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 Halloween Special. Oh, who knows this song? Minnie Ripperton, Les Fleurs, The Flower, sang from the point of view of a flower. This song, of course, is from the movie Us, Jordan Peele. Us is a 2019 American horror film written and directed by Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele. The film follows Adelaide Wilson and her family, who arrive at their summer home in Santa Cruz, Stonerville, Santa Cruz, and are attacked by a group of menacing doppelgangers. This movie. I love it. It blew me away. I was on the edge of my seat. How do I love Jordan Peele? I watched a video pointing out all the hidden meanings of us. There were so many and so many little, I guess they call them Easter eggs, like little, you know, treasures, little diamonds in the rough of a movie. And it's just so filled. I couldn't even like process it all. Yeah. I'm not going to go into the movie. If you've seen it, you know it. If you don't, I don't know. Oh, yes. Moving on with the scary movie thing, Halloween special. The entire Paranormal Activity franchise. Ugh. This, this franchise kept me alive for, I'd say, three years. Paranormal Activity is an American supernatural horror franchise consisting of six films and additional media. Created by Oren Pelley. The original film was released in 2007. The films are based around a family haunted by a demon that stalks, terrifies, and ultimately murders several members of the family and other bystanders. It is set up like found footage used by security cameras, etc. Okay, so there's a Paranormal Activity 1, 2, 3, 4, then onto the marked ones, and then onto the last one, the Ghost Dimension. Okay, one rules, two rules, three is my favorite, four is okay, the marked ones ruled, and the last one, Ghost Dimension, sucked. Because in Ghost Dimension, they relied on CGI more than their imagination and their brains. And I'll say it to their faces. I was pretty upset when I saw Ghost Dimension in the theater, because I had just looked so forward to it, because I trusted them as a franchise. And I remember I was in the theater just going, oh my gosh. Look at all that CGI flying around. And it just became basic. But I just read that they're coming out with a seventh one. If they use CGI, I'm done. If they don't, I'm here for the long haul. But we are at a crossroads. What I love the most about the Paranormal Activity franchise is that they're all connected. And... <laughs> It just ties, they tie together in the most beautiful, horrific, terrifying, poetic, gorgeous way that I love. And, you know, a lot of people don't think that paranormal activities are deep movies, but they are. I love paranormal activity. Okay, moving on to the next scary film, Dark Water, the Japanese version, of course. Dark Water is a 2002 Japanese horror film based on a short story. The plot follows a divorced mother who moves into a rundown apartment with her daughter and experiences supernatural occurrences, including a mysterious water leak from the floor above. 
This movie was very dark, very scary. I love it. Japanese and Thai horror are my very favorite type of horror films. I love Dark Water. Dark Water has very many interesting aspects, and one of my favorite aspects of this movie is how closely it ties into a very mysterious death of, you know, Eliza Lamb. Eliza Lamb was, of course, the Canadian student traveling through L.A. I lived in L.A. at the time. It was all over the news. We were following the story like crazy because it was so bizarre. Eliza Lamb went missing when staying at the Cecil Hotel. The Cecil Hotel has very much mystery, darknesses, many suicides, many murders. We actually, Living With Mom podcast, we covered Eliza Lamb's story. It might have been our third episode, I think. We went down there. It was great. Listen to it. Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, one of the scariest serial killers of all time because of his randomness and pure brutality, lived there, top floor, during his rampage. Imagine the darkness up there. People jumped out the windows. I mean, it was crazy. Murders and this and that and that and this. So going back, the body of Eliza Lamb, a 21-year-old Canadian student, was recovered from a water tank atop the Cecil Hotel in downtown Los Angeles, February 19th, 2013. Mm-hmm. Yes, I remember. She had been reported missing at the beginning of the month. Maintenance workers at the hotel discovered the body when investigating guest complaints of the water. So check this. Cecil Hotel people, they're brushing their teeth. They're drinking water. I don't know who would drink L.A. tap water. I don't. But they're washing their hands, whatever. They say it tastes sweet. They say there's black stuff coming out of it. The people are like, whatevs, because nobody cares in L.A. So then a week later, more complaints, right? And they go, fine, we'll go look. So they go up there, and there's a damn body of Eliza Lamb floating in the damn water tank. The movie Dark Water. Death girl floating in the water tank atop an apartment building. I'm not saying they're connected. I'm just saying there's eerie similarities between the movie Dark Water and Eliza Lamb's death. But here's the deal. Here's what made... Here's the main thing that made the Eliza Lamb case so spectacular and unique. The elevator footage. If you haven't seen it, I don't know where you've been, but if you haven't seen it, Go to YouTube and look up Eliza Lamb elevator footage. This is something that will be debated till the end of time. She looks clearly disturbed in the video on what? We don't know. There was no drugs found in her system except maybe some antidepressants, I believe. She did have bipolar. Was she going through a breakdown? I don't know. Was there someone that knew the, where the cameras were facing outside of camera view talking to her? Security guard, perhaps, who knew every inch of that hotel? Who took her? killed her, put her in the water tank? Did she commit suicide? Did she want to become some internet mystery? I mean, I think it's got to be one of those, right? When her body was found, they had to drain the water tank completely and then cut it open from the side to remove her five foot four frame. Also, all the blood was missing from her body, but they say that that's normal with <laughs> drowning. I really don't know. I'm not a doctor. But nobody knows how she got in there. Oh yeah, one of the other weird things with this Eliza Lamb thing was during the time of the case, so the Cecil Hotel is right near a place called Skid Row, which is, I mean, it's just a homeless community. And it's the real deal. You know what I mean? Like, it's Skid motherfucking Row. 
And um, during the time, like that week after Eliza Lamb's body was found, there was an outbreak in Skid Row, which was right near the hotel. And this affected thousands of people in the area near the Cecil. And it was a breakout of tuberculosis. And the freaking test for tuberculosis was called Lamb Eliza. Like, okay. So, I don't know. It's just a coincidence. Are there coincidences? Sure. Murphy's Law? Yeah. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying that the whole thing was freaking weird. The video freaks me out. The ties to Dark Water. The coincidences with Dark Water. It's just weird, y'all. Anywho, let's move on. We just got a few more movies. The next scary movie on the Halloween special is Eyes Wide Shut. The hell you say? That isn't a horror movie. First of all, I didn't say horror movie. I said scary movie. And if you don't think Eyes Wide Shut is scary, then you don't know what's going on out there in the world. Eyes Wide Shut is a 1999 erotic mystery psychological drama film directed, produced, and co-written by Stanley Kubrick. Stanley. The film follows the sexually charged adventures of Dr. Bill Harford, Tom Cruise, who is shocked when his wife Alice, Nicole Kidman, revealed she had contemplated having an affair a year earlier. He embarks on a night-long adventure during which he infiltrates a massive masked orgy of an unnamed secret society. What's this movie about? I mean, it's about being in a marriage and <laughs> it's about scary things like being in a marriage and fantasizing about other people. Your partner fantasizing about other people. It's the way it is. If you don't think your partner fantasizes about other people, I'm sorry, because you know you do. Some say thought leads to action. I don't know. Do people fantasize about people? Yeah. It's scary when you think about it. What also is scary about this movie is the satanic secret society of the elite carrying on whatever they do. The infiltration of a secret society. What also is scary of it is the mundaneness of marriage. Opening scene, Nicole Kidman, you know, I mean, I think she's pretty and all, but she doesn't, you know, float my boat. But she's, you know, gorgeous in the movie, and the opening scene is her just getting undressed. It totally takes all of her sexuality away. It takes, it enhances the mundaneness of marriage. Seeing the goddess Nicole Kidman just flop off her dress and Tom Cruise is just like sitting there. <laughs> you know? It's a horror movie. Uh, this is a very L.A. moment. I had been in L.A. probably only like a year. And um, there's an actress who plays the prostitute in Eyes Wide Shut. Her name's Vanessa Shaw. Beautiful, gorgeous, inside and out. As good as people as you can get. And uh, I was working at this Armenian deli at this time, and her and her dad used to come in there. We just started talking and, you know, started getting along, and she was like, hey, you want to hang out, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I remember, you know, I didn't know shit. I was like 23, brand new to L.A., and she had picked me up. We were going somewhere, and uh, we were in her, like, fancy Hollywood car, and 
she had uh, this moon roof and it was open and it was night and we were driving through the palm tree lined streets of LA and I just remember thinking oh my god this is crazy and I'm in the car with the prostitute from Eyes Wide Shut Vanessa you're the best she really is as good as people can get but yeah it was it was quite a moment are there secret societies yeah do they kill people and do stuff yeah what are you going to do? Oh, yes. This is the last part of Eyes Wide Shut. I thought this was pretty darn interesting. Now, if you're a regular listener to Current Events, Current Events, you know that there's a girl on there named Carly Q. She gave me one of my most prized possessions. It's a Tom Cruise biography, unauthorized, which I think that's total bullshit because I really think that he had a big hand in writing this because the book opens, it's the very beginning of the book is like him talking about how much he loves women and how Tom is a ladies man and just all this shit and it's like I don't believe this okay this is pretty cool though this book is called Tom Cruise an unauthorized biography by Andrew Morton this little part that I'm about to read is about Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman who were married at the time in this weird Scientology like pre-range marriage by the way and the reason why I say that is because they were in the movie Far and Away together too and I was listening to this interview with Nicole Kidman and she goes yeah um Tom and I we got married and we were in the movie Far and Away together but we had never had sex yet so the love scenes were like really awkward I'm thinking, you guys have been married and you haven't had sex yet? Like, okay, that's all you need to know. Anyways, they were freaking married for better or for worse. Here's what the book says about them meeting with Stanley Kubrick about starring in the film Eyes Wide Shut, his final film, which many say he was killed for. Their first encounter with Kubrick in the winter of 1995. Oh, God, that is a bad year. Set the tone as Nicole was busy filming Portrait of a Lady, never heard of it. They hired a helicopter to fly them the short journey from London to Kubrick's home near Hertfordshire. Even though they arrived in true Hollywood style, they were as nervous as a couple on a first date. Nicole later confessing herself terrified as she shook hands with the figure in a one-piece blue boiler suit waiting to greet them, being Kubrick. They were there to discuss the film Eyes Wide Shut based on the novel by Arthur Schlitzer about the sexual fantasies of a married couple, the blurring of dreams with reality, and the unforgiving emotions this can unleash. As Kubrick told them, quote, this film is about sexual obsession and jealousy. It's not about sex. End quote. Yeah. And I guess during the filming, they were, it was just for 18 months, it was basically Stanley Kubrick, Tom Cruise, and Nicole Kidman. And they were like each other's only contact for this 18 months. And Tom Cruise and Nicole like had to talk about like people they were fantasizing about outside of their marriage. And it got like crazy. <laughs> If Nicole and Tom were nervous as they sat together holding hands on the sofa in the living room of his house, Kubrick was thrilled to have snared Hollywood's golden couple. We didn't see many people, Nicole Kidman recalled. Tom and I had a trailer that we shared. We also had a smaller room, and I would go into that room a lot and read. 
and Tom Cruise spent his time hanging out with his driver, Tommy Lee. Interesting. Okay, so there you go. Eyes Wide Shut. Two more movies. This one, I'm not going to really give away anything because it's just so darn good. Sleepaway Camp. Sleepaway Camp is a 1983 American slasher film. It is the first film in the Sleepaway Camp franchise, and it tells the story of a young girl sent to summer camp where a series of murders begin shortly after her arrival. Released during the heyday of slasher films, it's known for its infamous twist ending. It is the biggest... It's the first time I remember experiencing a twist ending. Ever. In my life. So there you go. Sleepaway Camp. Okay, our final movie we will cover for our 2019 Halloween special. The Blair Witch Project. My boo. My boo. The Blair Witch Project, my number one all-time favorite film that holds me like a baby. When I'm feeling low, when I'm feeling alone, I put on The Blair Witch, and it just holds me, cuddles me tight, makes everything okay. The Blair Witch Project is a 1999 American supernatural horror film written, directed, and edited by Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez. It tells the fictional story of three student filmmakers, Heather Donahue, My Boo, Michael Williams, My Boo, and Joshua Leonard, My Boo, who hike in the Black Hills near Burkittsville, Maryland in 1994 to film a documentary about a local legend known as the Blair Witch. The three disappeared, but their equipment and footage was of course found. The reportedly recovered footage is the film the viewer sees. A little something-something that I wanted to read, which I saved to read with you guys, because I want us to experience these things together. Okay, here's some interesting facts about the Blair Witch Project. The script was a 35-page outline. Is that interesting? I don't know. Okay, here we go. This is interesting. Actress Heather Donahue remembers reading an ad backstage that said, quote, An improvised feature film shot in a wooded location. It's going to be hell. And most of you reading this probably shouldn't come, end quote. In order to test the improvisational skills of the candidates, as soon as each potential actor entered the room audition, he or she was immediately told by one of the directors, quote, You've been in jail for at least nine years. We're the parole board. Why should we let you go? If the character hesitated, even for a moment, the directors concluded the audition. Interesting. I'd like to see those tapes. The teeth in the twigs were actual human teeth. They were supplied by Eduardo Sanchez Dentist. The hair was Josh's real hair. Interesting. Interesting. The sounds of the children actually terrified Mike. Who do I love the most? Heather, Mike, or Josh? Hmm. Mike? Heather. I don't know. Okay, yeah. The actors had a code word for when they wanted to speak out of character. If one of the characters wanted to break character, he or she would say taco. Shooting finished on Halloween night. 
The local Denny's also saw some extra business on October 31st, 1997, as Heather Donahue and Michael C. Williams were also taken there for their first hearty meal in over a week. Williams described emerging from the woods and seeing people in costumes as very surreal. That'd be cool to go to Maryland and eat there on Halloween night. 19 hours of footage was edited down to 90 minutes. Okay, yes, here's the... We'll wrap up this Blair Witch thing. A lot of people thought that the actors were dead. So here's the deal. I was 20 years old when Blair Witch came out in 1999. Of course everybody thought it was real. The only thing that had been like that before, a little found footage film, was something called Cannibal Holocaust from like 1981. But as far as found footage films, no way. Nobody did that. So of course we thought it was real. And I remember... One hour before I went to the movies, the person who I was dating at the time, we were going to go see Blair Witch, and I was so excited, and I looked up something on the internet, and it said, you know, it was fake, and I was like, what? This movie's fake? Like, what? And I was kind of upset, and then whenever I got to the movie, and I'm sitting in the theater experiencing Blair Witch, I go, thank God. Thank God I learned that this was fake, because, like, I can't handle stuff like that. I would have freaked. I mean, I did freak. I couldn't sleep for two days because of Blair Witch. Just the whole idea, everything. There's all this stuff, all this propaganda on the internet saying it was real, and just they did a great job. It was spectacular. It's something that people will never experience again in that way. My ex actually saw it way before it was even released at some film festival, and she freaked. And she said people were freaking there at the film festival. That's how people thought it was real. Yeah. So there you go. So that'll wrap up the end of our movie discussion. We're just going to end with a couple little things. Uh, Midsummer and Hereditary, I didn't discuss because me and Carly talked about those on the episode of 10-3-19 Current Events from a couple weeks ago. Tune in for that. Uh, Midsummer and Hereditary are two of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Midsummer in the theater made me hang my head and go, Oh my God! That's big. Hereditary, a part scared me so bad, a tear fell from my eye. So wrapping up our Halloween special 2019. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. Oh yes, we're going to close the show with horrifying honorable mentions. These are other things that scare me then maybe we'll scare you for Halloween. The entire Jeffrey Epstein saga. Look it up if you want to be horrified. Did Back to the Future predict 9-11? Horrifying. Listen again to our current events, 10-3-19 with me and Carly Q. Doing that thing. Here's another horrifying fact for Halloween. 15,000 births each hour, but only 6,000 people die each hour. 250 births each minute, but only 105 people die each minute. Videos of people on YouTube believing they're being gang stalked. So there you go. The scariest movies and stuff for Halloween. Stay tuned for another gripping, entertaining, and enlightening and moving episode of Current Events, Kakaka Current Events, with me and Kakaka Carly Q. We're recording next week. It will be sure to entertain. And on that show will also be Ma's Current Event Spot, 
and Conspiracy Checkpoint, where I run a conspiracy that I kind of believe in past Carly. She tells me if it's crazy or not. Also, stay tuned for me and Ma's Dancing with the Stars analysis and interpretation. We'll be recording this week. Sorry, last week, I don't know what happened. It's like I was staring in a blank space for five days. And oh yes, this is huge, people. Our Patreon is up and accepting Patreons. That means get your wallets out. We're taking your money in exchange for entertaining and enlightening you. The Patreon episodes will include content by Carly Q, Hot Christine, me. We're going to be creating all different kinds of content just for Patreon PPL. And trust me, you're going to want to experience it all. Go to monoono.com, M-O-N-O-O-N-N-O, monoono.com. All of the content is there. Subscribe and like and whatever all the podcast people are supposed to say. Leave reviews. Give you a shout out. Anywho, I really hope you enjoyed the 2019 Halloween special. I hope to see you again. And have a very spooky 